Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This podcast is made possible through donations from listeners like you and our partners at Goalie Ashwa Gummies. You can find them at goalie.com. Use promo code the Show Up That Foundation to get 10% off your order. Zendurance Active Wellness and Sports Nutrition. Their products are designed to maximize your health. At Zendurance, they strive to support and have a positive impact on the wellness of every hardworking dad. Use my code the Show Up Dad and get 10% off your next purchase. For more info, go to www.zendurance.com. Tall Man Equipment. Standing taller than the rest of the competition in Lyman Tools since 1952. Give them a follow at www.tallmanequipment.com. And last but not least, Adam Lane Smith. He is an attachment specialist who helps people to heal, connect, and build. Use my promo code SHOW, spelled S-H-O-W, for a 50% discount on his attachment boot camp course. Thank you. Welcome to the Show Up Dad podcast. This podcast was created for hardworking fathers. Now, at this Show Up Dad, we recognize that fathers providing for their children is certainly important. But when men truly understand their unique role and gain the knowledge and skills to be great fathers, they can transform and impact future generations. Today's guest is none other than Brandon Jaffe. He's a clinical social worker. He's a therapist. He is also the founder of the Inspire Resolutions His goal is to provide more effective and consistent services for teens, families, and marriages with over 18 years of experience that he began at the Substance Abuse Foundation. He currently is proud to be a part of the With Hope Foundation, which is a nonprofit committed to teaching and understanding teen suicide in schools. He has partnered with Servite High School in helping any of their students who are struggling with school, family, or social situations. Brandon is eager to help families and parents find happiness no matter what the issues are going on. Welcome to our show, brother. Thank you. Appreciate you having me. Absolutely, Brandon. Man, I saw the work you're doing, and that's why I wanted you to come on here, because as a father myself, I know what it is to deal with teenagers and you know all these different things that plague them from uh, identity crisis and all these different things. You know what I mean? I just wanted you to come on here and uh, just talk to our audience and what to encourage our, our fathers what they could do to become better yeah. fathers and deal with these social issues. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, I, you know, it's funny because if you go on social media, moms are really highlighted, which is great because there's a special role a mom plays. And from day one, a mom is kind of there for the nurturing needs, but there's a, it's cool because I'm starting to see more about dads in the media, but we're still not acknowledging fully how important the dad's role in kind of carrying the baton in in many ways, right? Mm. And so our role 
in walking these kids through their struggles, their successes, it is something that uh, I'm on a mission to help us all do better, not, not help you do better, but help me do better. Talking to you and talking to my clients mm-hmm. is helping me be the father that I want to be. So, No, for sure. For sure. I tend to have a lot of fathers call and ask questions, you know, and a lot of them, you know, surface around, man, I'm want my children to be better. I want them to have what I didn't have. Right. Mm-hmm. But then in the process of pushing, 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 they break that relationship. Yes. You yeah. know, why is that? Well, it, it's because of number one, fear. Mm-hmm. Um, I think also what plays a role is our, we're, we're taught this certain way of parenting without even realizing it. There's this whole social construct on how we're supposed to parent. We're supposed to punish enough. We're supposed to reward enough. We're supposed to get angry at certain things. We're not Mm -hmm. supposed to get angry at other things. And so without realizing it, we're really all raised with the same kind of way of parenting. It's Mm -hmm. really just a social construct that isn't necessarily healthy and doesn't necessarily work, but as humans, we really kind of are terrible at getting rid of things that don't work when we don't have a, a really powerful replacement. And, and so on the one mm-hmm. hand, we're fearful for our teens. On the other hand, we have this innate, I think this is how you're supposed to do it, even though I know that it doesn't work. So I'm going to keep doing it. For instance, I know, I know that yelling at my teen isn't working, mm-hmm. but I don't know what else to do. So I'm going to keep doing that over and over again. And mm-hmm. I, also, I often tell parents, I remind them because we all know the whole insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. Mm-hmm. And I take that a step further. Stop the insanity, even if you don't have something to replace it with, and put the relationship first. Mm. Always put the relationship first. And, and that doesn't mean be nice and let them walk all over you. But putting the relationship first sometimes means waiting because you don't know what to do. And you acknowledge that you're you're afraid. You're afraid of not doing the right thing. So just stop. Stop everything. Mm-hmm. And, and so... I don't know if that quite answers your question, but I I really think the answer is fear Mm -hmm. and habits, fear and habits of the attempt to do right. If that makes sense. Mm. No, I could see that. Um, It's almost like the fear of the unknown, right? Like I think a lot of times we project our own fear on our kids. Right. And what Mm -hmm. we're uncomfortable with, right. As men, um, I see that happening even with myself, you know what I mean? And it sucks because it severs that relationship with our children. Sure. You know, um, a prime example would be my daughter, right? She was on varsity or, or JV cheer last year, right? And this year's varsity. She's never cheered before in her entire life, dude. Yeah. But she was able to make the team this year. Yeah. She made the varsity team, right? But one of the one of the things that they had for her to do was you need to get better at your turns by this turn this time because we want you on the team because you're a really big asset last year. My wife started projecting her own fears because when she was a senior, she got cut from the varsity team. Mm. So it just totally devastated 
my wife, you know, and she was just yeah. all upset about it. But my daughter was like, I'm totally okay. If I don't make the team, I don't make the team. I'll be okay, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. And it's crazy how we project our own personal traumas yeah. or whatever on our children. You know, how can yeah. fathers stop that? Well, I tell all parents, especially fathers, try to remember that fantasy that you had for your child, right? It, when, when I, when my daughter was born mm -hmm. uh, four years ago, here's my fantasy. And I'm open about my fantasy because I know that it's not going to go down how I want it to go down. But I love to cook and I love to surf. I really want her to be a famous chef that surfs. And if mm. she doesn't do anything else in life, I would be happy. I wanted it so much that I wrote a children's cookbook called The Adventure of Allie, the Surfer Chef. And it's like this cookbook, you know, and so I've got this fantasy for her, man. I, I want her to have, you know, a certain friends the way that I want her to have friends. And I want her to, you know, I have this whole life I'm trying to build for her. Mm -hmm. Well, I need to let go of that fantasy. I need to acknowledge I have this fantasy. Mm -hmm. And I need to let go of the fantasy. Mm -hmm. And then the second, right, because it's okay to have that fantasy. It's even okay to voice it, but I can't hang on to it as some sort of a truth or right pathway for her. Okay. Mm. If I get it, I get it. If I don't, I don't. Now, the second thing I need to remember is her journey is not my journey. I don't get to do her journey for her. Mm -hmm. I have to stay on my journey as a parent. Now I have this role is only four years old for me, even though I've been doing parenting work for over, you know, now 20 years, but my journey is not her journey. And as she fails and succeeds, my job is to walk alongside her, never to walk for her. Mm -hmm. uh, my job is never to fix everything for her. My job is to give her resources. Mm -hmm. My job is to model healthy behavior. My job is to teach, but not teach to the point that it's insanity because most of my teaching, she's not going to take right away. Mm -hmm. But if I'm the happiest, healthiest person she knows walking alongside her in time, by the time she's 30, she's going to be more likely to kind of sway towards my teachings and, and the things that work for me. But it's mm -hmm. not my job to force my teachings down her throat as she gets older. It's just to present them to her. Mm -hmm. Then it's my job to love on her, not love her. I tell parents, you can love the heck out of your children. This is going to sound really cold, mm -hmm. but even abusive parents actually do love their children. It's yeah. loving on your children. They only experience how you love on them, especially during the times that they make mistakes or go down a path that you think is not right. Mm -hmm. And then we've so we've got to remember, we can love on them. We can walk alongside them. We can give them resources. We can set boundaries for them. We can mm -hmm. teach them, but it's our job to be happy. And it's our job to stay in our lane and walk only alongside them in our journey while acknowledging that they have their own journey. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I wanted to clarify. So love on them, right? Uh, what are some examples for the people that are listening that? Yeah. You know what I mean? I get asked that all the time. Loving on them might be as simple as an I love you instead of the berating because they made a mistake. Mm. Loving on them might be not saying something that will be damaging to the relationship when you're wanting to say that thing. Yeah. Loving yeah. on them might be buying them that car that mm. they deserve or don't deserve. Loving on them might be a hug. It might be setting boundaries for them without the yelling and the screaming. It might be following through with a boundary in a mm -hmm. cool, calm, collected way 
while they can't keep themselves cool, calm, and collected. Mm. It might be celebrating them because they succeed. It might be crying with them because they fail. And so there's a million ways we love on our children. Mm -hmm. Okay. And it's weird because sometimes it doesn't feel like you're doing anything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and, and so I, I try to remember that loving on somebody is how they experience me. It's not what's in my head. It's how they okay. either experience me or don't experience me. Mm, okay. Wow. That makes total sense. Um, when you're saying that I was, I was actually thinking, I was like, man, I had, a, I had a, a friend of mine, right. And he came to me and, you know, he had some issues later on in life with his daughter. Okay. Um, but I remember when she was young, like 11, 10, right. And he was so critical with her. So critical. And it wasn't that he didn't look, cause he loved her. He, he paid yeah. for, for swim lesson, everything, everything she wanted, he paid for it. Right. But he was super critical when all she wanted was his attention. And I remember he would be talking to me and I'd be at his house and he would kind of push her away. He'd be like, Oh, go over there and uh, go practice your swimming, go do this, go this. And she's like pulling on him like that, that, that excited. And he was just like, make sure you're practicing. You know, you're going to be this, this, this. Needless to say, she didn't go through with the swimming. She turned very rebellious and all kinds of bad stuff happened. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But that was a perfect example right there, which you just said of loving on them versus loving them. Right. Cause he yeah. loved his daughter. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and, and that loving on piece takes work, takes sacrifice and takes restraint sometimes because mm -hmm. again, you let's say that my daughter someday rebels. Mm -hmm. And let's say that she's rejecting all of the ways I'm trying to love on her. Mm -hmm. It might be that the only, and she refuses to speak to me because she's so angry at me, right? This isn't happening, but let's say it did. Yeah. I might feel like there's no way for me to love on her. And it might just be, I send her a text every now and again, and she doesn't respond and I don't give up. Mm -hmm. And And loving on her might be that I just don't take personally this season of life she's going through. It might be that I don't allow that to damage my self-esteem as a father. I still wake up every day and say, who do I want to be as a dad? And how am I going to behave as a dad? Instead of how is my daughter treating me today? And does she deserve for me to love on her? Wow. You know? Yeah, for sure. No, it's definitely grace. Yeah. You know, when they don't even deserve or whatever, you know, they're acting out of hand or whatever, extending that grace towards them. Yeah. Jesus' Jesus's relationship with us is literally the perfect model. Mm -hmm. But whether you believe in him or not, the way he walked this earth and his relationship is described about the Bible is the perfect model for being a father. Mm -hmm. It is not a reciprocal relationship. It is a little bit of reciprocation and a lot of bit of one way. And it, it and, and it is not about getting from us it's about leaving a legacy right mm -hmm. jesus left a legacy for us not not just of grace but saved i mean literally saved us and while we can't totally be that for our children our relationship is a legacy relationship not a reciprocal relationship 
It is our job to love on them when they are unlovable. Mm-hmm. And for me as a Christian, I take that strength. Uh, sometimes I have to take that strength from, from, from my relationship with God. Right. Yeah. I can't get it any other way. There's I, even though she's four, sometimes I don't have it in me mm-hmm. to, to be that right. Already. Sometimes she can behave in a way that hurts, mm-hmm. but it is not my job to process that hurt with her. It is my job to remember I'm leaving a legacy of love, loving on lessons and financially and physically. And, you know, I'm leaving a legacy, not mm-hmm. aching. And my parents left and are leaving me a legacy, if that makes sense. Mm, no, no, it does make sense perfectly. Um, with that being said, Brandon, how is social media really like affecting kids and, you know, the relationship with their parents and stuff like that? Like, what do you see? So that that topic, you and I could talk about social media for, for days and days and days, right? And we all yeah. see, you know, it's funny because in social media, you'll see, hey, turn off social media, but then you keep scrolling, right? And so we know that there's a big, a large effect of social media on, you know, on kids, on adults. It affects uh, marriages. It's affecting mm-hmm. the way that children interact with each other. So we know the effects are out there. Yeah. Neither you or I are big enough, though, to stop it. It is it's a it's a train we have to accept has come and is going to continue to come. Now we can put boundaries on it, mm. but we can't stop it. And so, the the way that it affects, I think it affects the relationship with parents in a lot of different ways. And and I'll give you an example. Um, if you have a teen who's in a family, and it's not pleasant to be in that home. In other words, the parents come home, they're tired from work, they want the kids to be downstairs for for dinner, but they are only complaining or interacting with each other, and they're just kind of in a bad mood, right? And Mm -hmm. and so if you have this household of stress and frustration, yeah, well, guess what? The greatest escape in the world right now is social media. Yep. You can rely on it to get whatever you want from it. If you need to escape in a happy way, you can ha- escape in a happy way. If you need to feel angry, you can find the algorithm will give you that angry stuff. If you want to be a master chef, I mean, all we have to do is talk around our devices and social media gives us what we're seeking, right? Yeah. And so if you're really angry at your parents and you're, the home environment isn't good, guess what? This And this the algorithm is going to spit that out at the kids. Mm-hmm. But if you have a family that is working really hard to leave the stress of work at work to even in the most difficult times, create an environment that is happy in the home, mm-hmm. then the kids aren't going to have to rely as much on the social media for the escape or you know whatever it might be. Yeah. And so it is our job to create a home environment that's pleasing to be around. And mm-hmm. so many parents say, oh, get off your devices, get off your devices. And it's kind of, and the teens are telling me, well, why would I do that? Why would I come out of my room? Do you know what it's like to come out of my room? It's <laughs> my dad's in a bad mood. My mom's in a bad mood. They don't like each other. And I don't want to be out there. But you know what? I know some families that play music. And when the kids get in trouble at school, they don't talk about it for hours and hours and hours. It's just, hey, we got to address that. But hey, let's have dinner. Let's have fun. Let's cook together. Right. And the vibe, even when the kids are really messing up, the vibe in the home is happy. And guess what? Those kids 
still are going to be on social media and everything too much. However, not as much because the home environment has a good vibe. Mm. And so that kid is going to have a relationship with social media that can be talked about out loud with the parents, right? You want to influence your children, be influential. The way we're influential, one of the ways we're influential is being one of the happiest and most pleasant people to be around that our kids are experiencing. Mm -hmm. Now, and and so and so the kid remember the social media is the greatest escape and that's how it affects the relationship with the parents and how mm. the relationship with the parents can affect their social media usage so man that's interesting brandon because um you're absolutely right uh i, I had a friend of mine tell me that all social media is is what lonely housewives used to watch a long time ago right it was an escape you know when they were watching their uh you know the mexicans called them uh novellas and you know what else they're they called the um soap operas right that was yeah, soap escape, operas, yeah. right so that yeah, no you're absolutely right it is definitely an escape um and we do as fathers have the ability to change the environment uh i had a a good friend of mine one time we we're at his house we we're discussing you know our roles as fathers and stuff and uh he opened up the screen door. It was extremely cold outside. The cold air came in and we're like, what are you doing? You know, shut the door. And he's like, what did I just do? You let all the hot air out. You know, he's like, yeah, I know that. He's like, but what? I changed the environment, right? Mm. I was like, yeah. He's like, oh, that's exactly what you have the power to do in your own home. When you yeah. come home, when you're in that heightened state, when you're you know, working in these jobs, whether you be a lineman, a police officer, firefighter, whatever, right? You're always on edge. And when you're always on edge and you're trained that way and your neural pathways are trained that way, and then you come home and you bring that into your family, guess what? Now your house is walking 100%. on eggshells. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And that, yeah, we underestimate the importance of our vibe or our attitude the way that we're carrying ourselves. I, I mean, if you come in and, oh, gosh, that was a hard day. Mm-hmm. You just you just started an entire vibe and a memory for what it's like to have dad come home, mm-hmm. right? And I know a lot of men who they come home exhausted and in a bad mood and they expect everybody else to pick them up mm-hmm. <laughs> to make them feel good and relaxed. Forget that. When you come home, I don't care how tired you are. You come home with a smile on your face. You come home with, hey, it's so good to see you. I miss you. I love you. And if they were in trouble at school, you come in with a bigger smile and a better attitude. And you say, hey, we'll get through this. But right now, I just got home. Give me a hug. Let's eat some food. Let's turn on some music. I know you got to do your homework. But right now, give me five minutes with you. Mm -hmm. Right? Can you imagine the difference? Let's say 1,000 times. Even if you're exhausted, a man, a husband, a father comes home with that attitude, that energetic attitude, just for five minutes. Mm-hmm. If you just worked all day, you got five minutes to give into your family. You got five minutes to show that you're in. And then after that five minutes of being energetic and happy, go ahead, lay on the couch. But can you imagine if 1,000 times in a row you came home like that, the effect that it'll have on your child as opposed to 1,000 times coming home exhausted and in a bad mood? And a lot of people say, well, I just need to decompress from work. I just need to relax for a while. Just keep the kids away from me. Forget that. Mm-hmm. Come home engaged and then relax. You know, swap yeah. it. it. 
And I think, I believe as fathers, that is our job. Mm -hmm. There's a big mm -hmm. part of our job is just the way we carry ourselves the moment we walk in the door. I agree with you hundred um, percent. My big philosophy that I always said is be where your feet are, right? Meaning when you're at work, you be at work. You're not uh -huh. worried and you're not bringing your home life with you, you know, especially if you work dangerous jobs or whatever like that, you're at work hundred uh percent. -huh. When you're at home, take that hat off, leave it at the door. Mm -hmm. You come in and guess what? Now you're dad, now you're husband. Yeah. No, no. You know, what's wild though. I'm going to add to that. Okay. Cause I love that mentality, but I think there's a missing piece with it. Okay. Your children want to know if you had a bad day at work and mm -hmm. you know what, if you tell them all about it with a happy, healthy spirit, you say, Hey, I'm so glad to see you. I love you. Wow. Do you, can I tell you about my day? And I, you know, I don't know. Oh my gosh, it was scary. I, I had this stressful day at work. And as long as you're not processing in a way that you're putting it on them, mm. and yeah, check the the exhaustion at the door, but include them in on your stressful days. There's isn't it funny that parents ask constantly, hey, how was your day? And the kids go, Oh, fine, whatever, you know, and it could have been a terrible day. Instead yeah. of, hey. Can I tell you a little bit about my day? A lot of kids don't even know what the heck their parents do. They yeah. don't know anything about their parents' lives. Well, as men, it is our job to let our children in on our lives and, mm -hmm. and tell them with a healthy attitude, the good and the bad, because the more they know us, uh, do, you, do you know the best way to get a child to tell you all about their day, the good yeah. and the bad? Be in the habit of telling them about your life and your day. Mm. Because yes. you are now modeling that for them. The worst way is every day they get home from school interrogating them, mm. right? They're not opening up when they know mom's going to ask, dad's going to ask, how was your day? I'm going to say it was fun. I'm not going to tell them about getting in trouble in second period. And, but, and I'm not going to tell them that I'm actually in a fight with my best friend. And today was really awkward. It's because we haven't modeled having that conversation. We expect them to have that conversation without teaching them how to have that conversation. Man, you hit the nail right on the head, Brandon. Whoa, man, I got convicted off of that because you're absolutely right. I mean, my kids know that I'm a journeyman lineman, right? Yeah. We watched a movie the other day and they were blown away with the helicopter scenes, with, uh, you know, climbing in the rain, all this stuff. And they're like, oh, you do that? <laughs> and I'm like, where have you been? <laughs> that was my response, yeah. right? You know, just being real here. And uh, you're absolutely right, man. I need to open up to them and mirror because you're right. When I talk to my kids, it's like, oh, yeah, we had a good day. Okay. And that's it, right? Real short. And I started asking questions that were uh, not they're They're more open-ended, right? So I started asking different questions from them. So they're not one word answers and stuff like that. And that helped out a lot, uh, especially with our dinner talk table talk that we do. But being able to model like you just said, how my day was and sharing it with them, you know, they're going to learn from me yeah. and their responses are going to change. So that, that, that's key right there, man. Thank you. I appreciate that for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And it, we, it is our job as men and the mothers uh -huh. to teach them social skills. One of the things I hear over and over again is how do I get my child to have social skills? Well, you are teaching them social skills. They are literally behaving in the way that you behave with them. They're mm -hmm. saying and doing the things that you're doing. And then parents will say, yeah, but I'm the parent. I'm the adult. All they know is what you've given them since they grew since they were. Yep. They don't have the other side of the coin. They can't put into context 
what you think you're doing. They mm -hmm. only have what they've experienced from you. Hmm. And that's why modeling is way more powerful than teaching. Yes. Right? It yeah. is the ultimate way to teach. And then them being able to act out what we model with us and try it out and do it well, do it poorly, and getting that feedback just enhances that teaching through modeling. And, mm -hmm. and so and you got to keep the conversation going. You, you can even say, hey, you know what? Um, I'm trying something out new, new guys. This I know this is going to sound weird, but I'm going to start telling you about my day, right? Mm -hmm. We don't have these taboo conversations. When we change something up, we, we keep it a secret and saying, instead of going, hey, I don't like what I've been doing. I'm going to change it up, guy. Okay. I love you. And I want things to be different. They might go, they might poo-poo it away and everything, but yeah. it's our job to, it's narrating the healthy behavior that we're trying to implement if we weren't implementing it before. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, I can definitely see that. Um, my behavior always, my behavior hasn't always been the greatest, you know? Um, I did all the things that we just discussed from coming home, changing the environment, being real strict, stern, all that stuff, right? With my daughter, it wasn't up until about two years ago where I started making the changes three years ago, right? Yeah. To become a better father. And I tell you what, it's paid off dividends because now cool. today, as we speak, my daughter is going to prom, right? Yeah. She asked daddy, not mama, daddy. Can you go with me to pick up my prom dress? Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. She brought her boyfriend or her date to meet me and then asked me, what do you think, dad? Wow. Yeah. So I'm telling you, that would have never happened if I hadn't started making the changes that you're talking about. You yeah. know, um, it's never too late. It is no. never too late. So. And, and I think without whether you realize it or not, you made a decision time ago then Mm -hmm. to be an influence rather than a controller, mm -hmm. right? Instead of trying to control her future, you let go. You only have so much influence. I, I don't know where I read this. Somewhere I read one time that we, as a parent, by the time our children are teens, we only have an 11% influence. The rest of the world, people, places, things in their life <laughs> make up the rest of that influence. And so as mm -hmm. parents, all we can do is optimize our 11% influence and if I'm thinking I want to be influential in the long run, I'm going to behave differently and have different conversations than if I think I need to control things now and make everything okay and right now, mm -hmm. right? I need to change them right now. You're not going to change her right now, man. No. But she feels safe. And even if she goes against what you want, even if she's not taking to heart the lessons you're trying to teach her today because she has the relationship with you where she seeks you out and wants to know your opinion by the time she's 30 guess what that 11 percent is going to be fulfilled mm. and that 11 percent is going to be more powerful of an influence than everything else it's not going to do all of it you cannot do all of it but you will optimize that 11 percent mm. influence that you actually do have over her and mm -hmm. that's the goal of parents in my in my opinion no, I agree. Um, I did this leadership course, uh, John Maxwell. And one of the things he said is that influence is time, right? Mm -hmm. And you got to spend time with the things that you, that are important to you. Right? right. So I think that's really good. You know, even if you don't have time, you know, you're on the road, you're only home, what twice a week, whatever it may be, if that, um, utilize that time. Yeah. You know, spend time with the things that you love, you know what I mean? And it'll, it'll, it'll absolutely pay off, you know? 
Um, How can parents communicate to their kids without pushing away? Like say for instance, uh, they're vaping or whatever, right? How can a parent approach their children and say, Hey, this is not good for you, you know, without, you know, getting too crazy over it, you know, cause I, 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 I've been asked that a lot of times. So, yeah. And when people ask that, when parents ask that, what they want to know is how can I get my child to do what I want them to do right now? Mm. And first I say, let that go. I don't know if you're going to change their mind. You may or may not be consistent in your boundaries. For instance, in my home, as a teen, you aren't vaping in my home. And if I find it, I'm throwing it away. And there's going to be certain boundaries that I hold consistently mm-hmm. without anger. Yeah. And even if I am angry, I'm not taking my anger out on you. For instance, if my child brings weed into the home, I don't want weed. I don't want my friends smoking weed in my home. I'm not, I, go for it. You do it over there, but it's just not something that I want in my home. I'm not going to be okay with it. And if I think that you might be, vaping weed and driving you don't i don't make it so that you can drive i'm not punishing you it's just i'm not going to participate mm-hmm. in you doing something that i think is detrimental to you but i'm not going to nag you and i'm not going to make every conversation about that thing mm-hmm. okay so we have to figure out what do we actually control set boundaries based on what we control and we're always protecting not changing with boundaries a lot of parents think that boundaries are meant to change your child, it's not. It's to protect your home, your finances, your self-esteem, your identity, your morals, and your values within what you control. And you hope to influence them. But they said their values and morals aren't going to match up with yours during certain seasons of their life. We yeah. hope by the time they're 30 that they let them all match up. Mm-hmm. And so we've got to, I we've got to be honest. I can't stop my child from vaping, but I can influence him or her. I can set boundaries on the home and and the things that I'm willing to participate in or provide, but I should not damage the relationship just because I didn't successfully change my child during this season right now. Mm-hmm. And so that's hard for parents to do. I don't have a magical way for you to get your child to agree with you that vaping is bad. Okay? Mm-hmm. There's no magic. You can teach them. You can... Talk to them, and but but you see what parents do is they say the same thing over and over again because it, it didn't work, right? So they'll they'll say, "Here's all the facts on vaping," and the kids go, "Yeah, but you're wrong." Yeah, and then that drives the parent nuts. No, no, no. Let me tell you. And then it's like first thing in the morning, the kid is tired and they're trying to think about going to school, and then the parent brings it up again. Oh, do you know why ba- vaping's bad? You better not vape, right? And they bring it up again, and then they come home and let's say that it's Easter weekend, and instead of spending time on hey. Easter bunnies and fun stuff and spring and God, it's okay. Every conversation leads back to vaping. Well, so, you know, I remember when you were a kid and you got Easter baskets, you didn't vape then, you know, and it's like everything <laughs> becomes about that thing that mm-hmm. you fail to control. Wow. It is our job as a parent to stop trying to control it. Acknowledge that during this season, I don't know how to fix this thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to change my child's mind. I can set my boundaries in my home. I can follow through and I can put the relationship first because in the long run, I want them seeing that my way is the healthy, happier way. Mm -hmm. A lot of parents don't realize that in your attempt to control your children, when you get angry, you push them away. When you put them down, even if you're right, you push them away. 
when you are patient, set the boundaries, follow through, keep a good attitude. Don't make every conversation about that thing that you're scared about. What yeah. happens is you influence them in the long run and they are more likely to swing back to those morals and values later on that you hold dear. My morals and values and the things that I do are not the same as when I was 17. Yeah. When I was 17, I didn't behave like my parents behaved, but I can tell you this. My life, the way that I live my life looks a lot like my parents today. I can't, that's why we always go, oh my gosh, I can't believe I sound like my parents. Well, yeah, you sound like your parents because <laughs> either they affected you in a negative or positive way. And I can tell you, I seek my parents out on a weekly basis because of the relationship I have with them. And you know who the two most happy people I know on earth are? Who? My two parents. I want the life that they have. Mm-hmm. Even in our, I have two brothers, even in the most difficult times, when I look back, my parents put the relationship first. Mm -hmm. They parented me, shoot, I, at 17, I left for a while in a, in a major show of defiance and anger. And at that time, if you had asked me at 17, I thought my parents were the two most terrible people on the face of the planet. Looking back, I'm like, oh my gosh, in my worst moment, they loved me through it. Mm -hmm. They didn't give me the car that I would, that back that I wanted. They didn't let me do the things that I wanted to do that were damaging, but you know what they didn't do? They didn't ruin their end of the relationship. And I tried so hard as a teen to ruin my end of the relationship, but they always let me come back. And now I'm 43 years old mm -hmm. and all of their advice rings in my head day in and day out. When I was 17, none of it rang. If mm -hmm. Whatever they said, I was like, man, eh, that is the wrong way. They don't understand life. They don't. Right. And so, as a parent, we've got to be patient and remember that cycle. Mm -hmm. well, we don't want them vaping when they're 43. <laughs> right. We're not going to allow them to vape now, but the goal is to influence them in the long run. Mm. Yeah, definitely. It's a, it's the uh, endurance race versus a sprint, right? Yep, exactly. It's the end game, the end result, yes. right? Um, it's crazy that you said that because I've always caught myself repeating things that my dad taught me mm. you know and you're right man when you're younger you don't you know realize that they're talking good right that they're they're actually making sense you know you think you know it all right yeah and i think that's helped me with my own daughter is just remembering what they were going through what i was going through and then just being able to look you know through empathetic eyes you know, yes, well, exactly. you know, so I think that plays a big part, you know, being able to remember, okay, you were a kid once too. And how was it yeah. for you? you yeah. Know? Yeah. We, we try to relate with our kids, with our adult brains, instead mm -hmm. of remembering that they don't know what it's like to be an adult. We can't act like they do. It mm -hmm. doesn't mean we control them. It means we're more patient with them because again, they're on their journey mm -hmm. and we're on their journey. If you want to take responsibility for your kid's journey completely and totally, you better live a really long time because you're going to have to do their journey for them the rest of their lives. And mm -hmm. that's not possible. And that's why we got to get out of the way. I am so, we all say this. I, I bet you, I bet you're the same way. I'm so thankful for all my mistakes. I'm yeah. so thankful that I had two parents that never abandoned me in my worst moments. But if I didn't have those terrible moments, I would not be running inspired resolutions. I would not be for now almost 10 years teaching and, and running Hope for Parents with Struggling Teens group. I would not have 
the therapists working for me and working with all the organizations that I get to work with now, because without all of my failures, mm -hmm. I would not be able to do what I do. Yeah. And so thank you, mom and dad, for not getting in the way of my journey and just helping me not completely ruin my journey. Right. Yeah. And so they put parameters on my journey, but they did not take responsibility for my journey. How important do you think it is, Brandon, for parents, right? Because when you're actually tuned in, you're clipped in, you're you're paying attention to your kids, right? You're seeing their likes, their dislikes, their strengths, their weaknesses, right? How important is it uh, for us as parents, right, to be able to see what our kids like and then just kind of help navigate them through life into that area like prime example my daughter she's always seen herself as a heroine right she's brave she's courageous mm -hmm. all these different things right now i know that some of my you know i have three kids you know my middle kid is not like her at all he's completely different right and so is yeah. the baby the baby's completely different so how important is uh, is it for us as parents to be able to see their strengths and then help them develop those strengths? That way they go into a career that they can utilize those strengths. That makes sense. So when you said help them develop, I think that can be taken uh, two different ways, okay. right? Help them develop by uh, telling them what we think they need to hear and making sure they do the things that we think that they need to do and being insistent. And again, taking over their journey. Is mm -hmm. not a healthy thing to do, even though it feels okay. like you're doing a lot, right? Parents mm -hmm. often want to take on too much. Mm -hmm. But hey, I acknowledge and I am willing to talk about and voice these things that I'm observing. I even mm -hmm. have some lessons that I'm going to give to you, but not over and over again to insanity. Yeah. And hey, you know what? If you're willing to take them, here's some resources that might help you in your journey. Mm. Beyond that, we're overstepping. Okay. I will walk alongside you and I will congratulate you and I will encourage you and I will be loving towards you and I will cry with you when you fail on that journey. That's all a part of our role. Mm -hmm. I'm going to make sure that you get to the finish line of this thing that I think that you want. That is not our job. That is not our role. That is us overstepping. I got you. Wow. So we present them with choices and then allow them to go yeah. left or right. right? Yes. Present them with choices, resources, and love. Mm, I like that. I like that. Now, I had a, a guest call in, okay, Brandon? And uh, his question was, he has this, this family, okay? Mm -hmm. They present themselves, you know, I mean, all the boys are doing good, right? Yeah. They have the baby who's the youngest. She's a, a, a girl, okay? okay. Now... They have the typical family, you know, kids going to college, all that stuff. But there's one, and which is the daughter, right? And she has kind of fallen into like the goth scene and like completely like rebelling and stuff like that. And like just completely night and day from the rest of the family. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, he asked me, he's like, oh, man, why do you think that is? Why? Why is she doing that? You yeah, know, I, know, I, know I know exactly why. Yeah, so if you could expand on that, that'd yep. be great. Because she, like all of us, she wants to find her identity and she's trying something out. Okay. Right? We get freaked out when it doesn't look good or it looks like it's negative and bad influences. And mm -hmm. um, I, again, 
keep your boundaries. Yeah. Hey, yeah, there's certain yeah. things I'm not allowing in my home because this is the home that I've built and my morals and values are going to stay here. Mm -hmm. But even if I don't agree with you, I can still make sure that I bring you in. And when you push me away, I'm still going to bring you in. And, and here's what parents will do when they don't agree with the culture uh, that a child is taking on for a period of time in a season of their life. Mm -hmm. They will bash it. They will buck against it. They will put it down. And in the, in the meantime, what they don't realize that they're doing is they are squashing this part of the identity building that this child's on. Now, I'm not saying it's good. I'm not saying, hey, jump on board. No matter what they do, just be cool with it. I'm not saying you, you cannot be cool with something, have an mm -hmm. open conversation and try to embrace the pieces and try to understand, right? Mm -hmm. Hey, I want to know more about this scene that you've embraced. And she's gonna be like, whatever, you know? Huh, huh. Yeah, yeah. But you know what's gonna ring with her by the time she's 30? She's gonna remember, wow. My parents didn't agree with this thing and they still tried to understand it. Mm -hmm. I was kind of mean and I didn't let them in on it, but oh my gosh. Wow. Mm -hmm. My parents didn't judge me when they really should have been judging me. Isn't it funny that, that we will damage the relationship trying to get a message to a child that they already know. They already know what we believe. They already know what we think. Why are we damaging the relationship trying to change them instead of influencing them? So you want to influence that child to go another direction? Be open-minded ask them questions. You don't like their friends, invite them all into your home and love on them too. Mm -hmm. If they make terrible decisions, hey, acknowledge that was a terrible decision and you are worth loving. I had this mother that used to go to my Hope for Parents of Struggling Teens group when it was in person and her teen was really, really, really struggling and he had this band of misfits basically. I mean, they were doing criminal stuff, not good. Yeah. And she didn't know what to do because she had watched these kids all grow up and she loved them, but she didn't want her son to be around them. But there was no way. In fact, her son was the ringleader. There was no way, mm -hmm. no way on the face of this planet that she was going to get her kid to stop hanging out with these boys. So mm -hmm. I told her, I said, you know what? A lot of these kids, it sounds like, are struggling at home. I suggest that you cook dinner for them once or twice a week. Mm -hmm. Oh, but what if they're, you know, and it was vaping. What if they're doing drugs? They're doing this and drinking. Well, don't allow drugs and drinking in your home. Mm -hmm. Cook them a meal at least once a week, maybe twice. For several years, she did that. Those kids started calling her mom as kind of a, a joke. Mm -hmm. You know who those kids turned to when they were really messing up? Her Want to know which mom knew what was going on, when and how, and and had all the 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 info on the yeah. bad and the good stuff going on? Her. These kids were football players. You want to know who they brought on the field to thank and hug when they did something right and won some sort of championship? Her. And so we buck against, we judge we criticize instead of embracing with boundaries mm -hmm. and so that's my advice embrace whatever your child's try to understand it embrace it but set boundaries mm -hmm. and in a sense too we are saying that we we don't accept the behavior right but we no. accept them we accept exactly them. perfect well said yep mm -hmm. i love you will love on you i will accept you and the people that you love mm-hmm even though I don't agree with their behaviors. And, and it always reminds me, I 
had a group of friends that <laughs> we got into some serious trouble. Yeah. And it's funny because that whole group would be kind of the group that some parents were like, don't hang out with them. And, mm-hmm. and, and guess what? Um, one of them was a very young appointed judge in LA, an amazing dude. Wow. One is this like financial, I don't know, commercial building. I don't even know what he does. Does some sort of business that I can't understand way more successful than I am. Another is an insanely successful real, real estate agent. And then I'm running a center for teens and the irony is the school that we were getting in trouble at, guess who that school uses for their mental health? <laughs> That's so awesome. It's crazy how it goes yeah, back, right? Exactly. Can you can you imagine if my parents damaged that relationship? Can you imagine if they said, you can't hang out with those kids, period? No way. Wow. Wow. No, that's crazy, man. No, definitely. We definitely have a lot of influence over our children. When do you think is appropriate, Brandon, to where the kids are really, really, when, let's say, for instance, kids are really, really struggling, right? Yeah. When do you think that it's appropriate for parents to step in and be like, all right, that's enough. We need to get you some help. You know what I mean? Say, for instance, so, trauma and stuff like that. Yeah. The moment that you okay. notice they need help, offer help. Okay. But see, the question is a misguided question. You can't force your child to get help. All you can do is say, hey, Mm-hmm. I am willing to offer the resources of help. You need a therapist. I will pay for the therapist. I believe that it would be good for you to seek it out. Mm-hmm. Okay. But what you can't do is force them to utilize the therapist and that my daughter will always have two funds. I will pay for her education and her mental health. I don't care if she's 55 years old. I will pay for her education and her mental health. Mm-hmm. And she will know that resource exists. I'm never going to shove it down her throat because that doesn't work. Yeah. And when parents struggle to get their children into therapy or into a program to get the help that they need. I always tell the parent, you go first, you start working on you, even if you think that you don't need to work on you and then invite your child to join you one day in session, not to change them, but to help you on your journey of change. Tell them, Hey, I, my therapist needs some more information because I can only give them my side and I want to be a better parent. Can you come in and help me? Mm Mm-hmm. That's the greatest way to get somebody who doesn't want to get help to have a positive experience with therapy or getting help. And if a child watches the parent get the help that they need, they are more likely down the road to get the help that they need. Man, I couldn't agree with you more. Definitely, we have to model it for them, right? Mm -hmm. Um, That's one of the things I have seen you know with parents you know when they ask oh my kid needs therapy or whatever and i'm like because i have a lot of resources you know guys like you uh guys like dr stephen poulter and other guests that we've had on here Mm -hmm. and um so we have tremendous amount of resources but i'm like man what about you why don't you go and and you know fix you you're you know the parent who needs to model this right yes and, <laughs> and it's not but. about fixing. Sometimes when sometimes we get stuck when we tell our child to go get fixed and then we don't want to seek help or accept the help when we think we're fixing us. I am okay and happy and proud of where I'm at, but I'm also willing to grow. Mm. And so with that mindset, therapy will always be effective for me because I am willing to grow. Now you tell me I need fixing automatically I'm going to start shutting down and start getting defensive. And yeah. and, and then I have an unattainable um, goal for therapy because guess what? <laughs> therapy is not going to get you to some, now you're fixed point. 
Mm. It'll it'll help you grow. It'll help you discover. And, and so that's what the mentality is that I want us to model for our children is this isn't about fixing you because you're completely yeah. and totally yeah. broken. Right. Mm -hmm. This is about finding a little more happiness because you're not as happy as you could be. Mm -hmm. No, definitely. You say fix. Yeah. It's definitely the way you, you put out the word, right? Fix, you know, basically you're indicating that they're broken. So yeah, that definitely, I could see how just changing that can actually bring people, you know, to experience better happiness. You know, um, I had a past guest, uh, Nathan Padilla, and he was saying that as parents, our job isn't to make our children happy, but it's our job to allow them to experience happiness in the home. Right. Love that. hundred percent. Love that. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. He, uh, he was, he was, he was really awesome too, man. We learned a lot from him. Um, but man, Brandon, uh, how can people reach you? Um, how can yeah. people get a hold of you? You know, if they, they want to, yeah. you know, be a part of what you're doing. Uh, so, uh, I mean, our, for, for the center, it's inspired resolutions, counseling.com. Okay. And that's resolutions with an S sometimes people forget the S so inspired resolutions, counseling.com. And then, um, I, I have a podcast called hope for parents with struggling teens. Mm -hmm. And if you go to hope for parents with struggling teens.com, you can see some of the lessons and podcasts that I've put out there and the group that I run on Monday nights is an open free group that I run. That's also called hope for parents of struggling teens. And through our website, you can uh, get a hold of us and contact us. If you want some of those resources, man, that's amazing. I appreciate that. Brandon. Um, can you give our fathers one bit of advice? I mean, you gave us a lot of advice already, but what is one token, one, one bit you yeah. can share with them before we get off. I, I think that if you if you feel like there's changes that that should be made, mm -hmm. first stop everything that's not working, even if you think it should be working. And that's a tall order. If you're yelling, yeah. stop the yelling. If you're the nagging, stop the nagging. If you're punishing and it's not working, stop the punish. And, and I'm not saying stop it and replace it with something. Just stop everything that's not working, and then get the mindset of. I'm going to put the relationship first mm. and that's it. That's the, you start from there. So many opportunities for growth and better relationship are going to, are going to open up just by doing those two things. Man, that is powerful. That is extremely powerful, man. I have to write that down. <laughs> that was good yeah. stuff, man. Well, Brandon, thank you so much for coming on here, brother, and just sharing and taking this time out of your day to, to, to speak to our audience, man. I know it's going to help so many fathers out there. Um, a lot of times we get caught up in just providing with our families. Right. And we forget yeah. that we are supposed to be doing so much more, you know? Oh yeah, absolutely. So, thank you. I really appreciate sure. it. And we'll be talking. Thank you for having soon, me on. Man. All right. Sounds good. Absolutely.